Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning, my friends out there in Radio Land. Welcome to Blog Talk Radios and Blake Radios off the shelf for this Saturday. We're coming down to Homestead to end of March, uh, but we just got to enjoy the start of spring on Tuesday. But it's Saturday, March the 24th, 2012, and thank you so much for being here with us today. It is such a joy to have you here with us. For those of you our faithful listeners who've been with us going on eight years, thank you, tremendous, tremendous thank you to all of you. For those who are tuning in <clears throat> for the first time, and my throat is still bothering me, I was telling you guys last week, I think it's allergies. For those who are tuning in for the first time, I want to introduce myself. I'm your host, Denise Turney, and as I always tell you, coming to you live from the city of brotherly love, the one and only Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I thank you for your support and encourage you, you can go out today. You can go to Apple, iTunes, you can go to Barnes & Noble, you can go to Amazon.com, you can go to anywhere, ebook it where ebook is sold and get a copy of my new book, Love Pour Over Me. Just look for Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney. You are going to love this book, a story about a father and a son and a, a man and a woman, you will truly, truly enjoy Love Pour Over Me. And I encourage you to go out and get a copy today so you can start reading it and let me know how you enjoy the book. And now, to the moment that you have been waiting for, to, what you tuned in and dialed in today for, we want to meet our special guest. And today's off-the-shelf guest, is a Philadelphia native and a graduate of Howard University. This former nurse is also a wife, a mother, and the author of the book, The Dark Side of Valor. That's an that's a intriguing title. makes you want to know more about what is this book about. Well, you came to the right place to find out more about The Dark Side of Valor. And who is this amazing woman? She is the one and only Alicia Singleton. <laughs> Alicia would love it if you visit her online. You can go to right now. And as I always tell you, this is one of the great benefits of the Internet radio. You can go on the Internet right now to www.aliciasingleton, and that's spelled A-L-I-C-I-A-S-I-N-G-L-E-T-O-N. Again, that's A L I C I A. S-I-N-G-L-E-T-O-N.com, AliciaSingleton.com. And you can read her excerpts. You can check out her book. You can read her bio. Even as you listen to her, connect with us right here on Off the Shelf. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Alicia. And thank you so much, Denise, for having me. This is so uh, just so special to be here with you today. Well, I'm, we, 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 it's, a, it's a pleasure having you here with us. I, I love your book cover. And to find out more about the dark side of valor, what inspires you, mm-hmm. and more about your process as okay. a writer. Now, you're a former nurse. Yes. I wanted to ask you, because when you think of nursing and you think of writing, it seems like this great, <laughs> it's like this, this similarities. Although I'm sure, I'm sure you, there's a lot of stories you could write, create oh, yes. just from your nursing experiences. But how long did you work in nursing, and was it your dream when you were a little girl, to work as a nurse? Did you, did you see yourself working as a nurse for the rest of your life? Actually, um, the dream was built on a fantasy that just was not true. Um, I did want to be a nurse when I was a little girl, but it was based on, and I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm aging myself, but if anyone remembers the TV show Julia with yes, Diane Carroll, do. do you yes. remember that? Yeah. And how she sat at the bedside with her, you know, nice nurses hat on and talked to people and made them feel better. Well, I thought that's what nursing was about. So I said, well, I would love to do that for the rest of my life. And I had no idea when I went into Howard what a bedpan was. I didn't even know what a bedpan was when I went into nursing school. I quickly found out. And um, it was... When I got into it, I love helping people. I love making them feel better. But there's a whole side to the healthcare industry um, that's very uh, it's profit driven, and that part I, I didn't like at all. I didn't like that at all. 
So uh, I was. So you, well, how did you see that? How did you see that though, as a nurse? I can see how you might see it as an administrator, or uh, I would I would say more as administrator, somebody that's dealing with patient billing. But how did you see it more so as a nurse? Wow, Denise, I could tell you so many stories, but I'll, wow. I'll give you one example. Um, there was a a gentleman, um, he was an elderly man that was in a nursing home that was affiliated with the ho- one of the hospitals that I used to work in. And um, back in the day, diabetic patients would come into the hospital get, to get their toenails clipped. So um, he came in for his monthly, you know, to get his feet taken care of. And um, he was about to be discharged. He was the sweetest man you ever want to meet. He couldn't he couldn't speak very well, but he would just smile at you and hold your hand. And um, a doctor came in and started running a bunch of tests on him, a bunch of evasive um, gastro uh, uh, tests on him. Um, and uh, the one department that checks the, uh, what do you want to call it, the billing, as you said, came to me. I was in charge and asked me what's going on because the man had been there four days over his stay. Mm-hmm. And so I asked the doctor. The doctor told me, um, if you tell anybody, I'll tell them that you're lying, but I have Whoa. to get paid too. And he took this man through, I'd say, an average of about um, six or seven evasive tests. Uh, barium enemas, uh, you know, um, x-ray exams that uh, make you ingest contrast. And his findings were um, no uh, gastroenterology, no uh, gastric uh, disease found. And then they sent him back to the nursing home. That kind of thing would happen quite often, quite often. Wow. Yes. And mostly to people who didn't have a voice, um, whose family wasn't around to monitor what was going on. So uh, those kind of things sort of made your stomach roll, and um, it, it just made you feel bad. Yeah. That. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. So then you said, okay, I've had enough of this. <laughs> yes. Yes. Twelve years. Was uh, twelve years was quite enough. Um, okay. Again, I love helping people, but I just got burnt out, and um, there were just I just couldn't I just couldn't take it anymore. I got really. you. I got mm-hmm. you. What What was it like growing? And I love your website. Your pictures. At your oh, website. thank you. <laughs> what was it like growing up in Philadelphia? And I'm guessing the 1970s. What was that like? What was the city like back then? The 1970s. You know, it was um, my neighborhood. I grew up in West Philly, uh, 63rd and Jefferson. And it was a a tight-knit community, but it was very racially divided. Um, When you cross the street out of your neighborhood, you could cross um, 63rd Street, and you would be in an Italian neighborhood. And then you go up towards... um, city line and you cross the street and you'd be in a Jewish neighborhood. And um there were a lot of gang wars, a lot of racial gang wars. Um and it it was just a a very divided city. Mhm. And so um there was a lot of uh gang violence like I said. Uh I remember one time coming from school, it was the last day of school and Rumor had it that the chain gang and the moon gang, these were two gang, popular gangs back then, were going to fight on our schoolyard. We had a very, very big um, schoolyard. And, Denise, when we came out, um, they had SWAT teams around the chain link fence of our schoolyard. And they uh, ran us up, um, up I guess, a little, uh, the teachers and the, the police, made a line, and we had to run between the line about 20 at a time up to the bus because we had to catch public transportation. And it was one of the scariest things, you know, that I ever want to remember. So it was it was, it was was very uh, 
loving environment, but then you just had, you know, you had your fear factor, too, there. And you know what? Mm-hmm. When I was listening to you. I'm thinking about my childhood in the in the my younger years. I, I I grew up in the '70s, but mm-hmm. before I became on my preteen years, the '60s, of course. In mm-hmm. Dayton, Ohio, it was like that. They used to tell us mm-hmm. send us home early from school. There yeah. was just a lot going on in the country. I think a lot of leftover from the 19, 1960s. That said, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you've had some wonderful, marvelous experiences as, as well in Philadelphia. Oh yes. How have your experiences growing up in the city? shape the stories that you write today? You know, I, I think I I think that I am more streetwise than um and more conscious of my surroundings because I grew up in the city and I think that's such a blessing. Because, um, number one it keeps you I think a little safer than most <laughs> when you're always looking around to make sure that you're you know, you're you're safe in your environment. But um, also, it it being around all of those cultures, and you know, we weren't always fighting. I had a lot of Italian friends. I had a lot of Jewish friends. So uh, being around the different cultures, you were able to see more than just your your little niche in your neighborhood. So that was there, and we were a lot more independent in the city because we didn't have a school bus. We had the public transportation. We called it SEPTA. And I don't know if it's still called SEPTA. Is it still called uh, SEPTA? Yes. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yep, it sure is. Okay. Well, we, we uh, rode on the SEPTA bus. And, um, you know, it, we were we rode all the way uptown. Well, not uptown, but in a Jewish neighborhood to go to school. So it was, you know, we didn't have a school bus. So it made us independent as well. And I, I have to say that, you know, the experience growing up in Philly it 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 infuses into my writing because you had to be strong, you had to be watchful, you had to be tough, but then you were also in a loving environment. So it really helped a lot. Okay. Your son your son David, mm-hmm. before we go into talking about your book, mm-hmm. I just had to mention this. Your son David, he won the National Caring Award <laughs> in oh yes. seven. What yes. was that like for you? As his mother, that is pretty, pretty, pretty huge, pretty major. <laughs> you know, uh, Davin, he's such a, a sweet kid. He has a, a very good heart, and um, he struggled through school. He's uh, dyslexic, and so he struggled through school, especially math, and um, he suffered with bouts of low self-esteem for for a long time until my husband and I decided to. I'm homeschooled, Davin. And so he had to do a, a project for high school, and he came up with um, Dreamers uh, Live Your Dream. It was a workshop for elementary school kids, and he went in and he taught them that they could be anything that they could set their mind to because that's what we always taught Davin. Mm-hmm. And um, it got some local media attention, and... Um, and the national award saw his speech that he gave for graduation, and he uh, got nominated and got accepted for this award. And I tell you, Denise, uh, Mother Teresa had received the award. Um, uh, Cal Ripken had received the award. She's uh, Maya Angelou. And, wow. Yes. Um, and just. To be able to see Davin stand up on Capitol Hill, he was there um, in front of senators, congressmen, um, actually the uh, vice, ex-vice president, um, geez, and I could see his face, Bob Dole was there, and he told his story about him feeling like he was the dumbest kid in the world, and you know, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. Just to see him come into his own was just so amazing. All those years, wow. it was just so amazing. And wow. um, I tell you, it, it's sort of poignant now with what's going on with Tavon Martin. But yes. um, Bob Dole told Davin, we had a picture with him, and mm-hmm. he said, you know, Davin, I'm so proud of you because the average person that watches the news, they only see bad things. Yeah. And he said the news 
extends it so they only see bad things. But when people look at you, they might not see the news because they won't put you on the news. But he said, I'm proud of you, and I know that there are people like you that are out there. But the news oh, yeah. Put it on. And Bob Dole told that to Davin. Yeah, you yeah. know, the the news, <clears throat> the news, and as a journalist, the news is anything that can get the viewer to watch so they can get their ratings up mm-hmm. and they can get more aver- <clears throat> excuse me, advertising dollars. Mm-hmm. And we you can blame the media <clears throat> to a to a point <clears throat> but then you have to think if we didn't tune into those stories mm-hmm. 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 they wouldn't they'd have to stop running them. So You're it's right. a two way street. <clears throat> You're right. My aunt always says it takes two to tangle. And a lot of times like even in a relationship Mm-hmm. As we get ready to launch into the discussion of your book, you, you blame we blame the other person like we mm-hmm. didn't have nothing to do with it. That's so true. And 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 if you weren't tuning in to that station, <laughs> you wouldn't be hearing that music. You you must be tuning in. So you, you if you turn the dial to another station, you yes. pick up some different sounds. I want I want to now talk about your book and I, and tell you that and congratulations again to 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 your son Dave and I think that's amazing. Oh, thank uh, um, you. Love the cover, as I was telling you, of The Dark Side of Valor. And I wanted to ask you, how involved were you in the concept and the design of the book's cover? Um, actually, the the artist um, from Marion Designs, Keith Saunders, he um, did several sketch-ups of uh, different covers. And I was blessed because it just it wasn't one, and they said, okay, here you go, this is what you have, take it or leave it. Um, and I was able to tell him, oh, Keith, can you put this one here and take this from this cover and put it here? But basically, he really, um, uh, he's such a phenomenal artist. He did the whole thing, and there weren't many changes. So, wow. Yes, he's incredible. Oh, so incredible. He was, he's, he's somebody that you knew. Um, no, no, no. Actually, um, Simon and Schuster um, oh, used him oh, okay. for yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 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 you just sort of launched into the next question. I also want a congratulations. You got another congratulations coming on landing your book deal with Streber, Simon and Schuster. Uh, Thank that, you. I don't know Zane's um, publishing company. Her, her leg of her publishing company. Can you tell us our off the shelf listeners who, and I often tell our authors who are published. There are many listeners who tune in off the shelf who who would love to be in your shoes. They want to have what you experienced happen for them. Can you tell us about the process of getting your book noticed by one or more editors at the publishing house and then the process of taking your book from manuscript form to to bound book form? Okay. Um, actually, Denise, it was a very long process. Oh. I had been writing since. 1994, and um, see, I've been out there, you know, working it, meeting editors, meeting uh, agents, and the book was picked up by an agent in 2003. Okay. 1994 to 2003. Um, My husband and I self the book in 2002. Okay. mm -hmm, Because we couldn't, you know, I had gone and like I said I met a bunch a bunch a bunch a bunch of editors (laughs) at different conferences and things and sent out the books got rejection um I got an agent and she sent out the book as well and we got a lot of rejection so um oh kudos to you extra kudos not to interrupt (laughs) you that you just kept going oh I I really like that okay (laughs) I had to um so it was a long process And one of the things um, that editors told me, actually, you know, I was in Philadelphia one time um, at a conference, and an editor said, you know, the concept is good, um, and it sounds like a wonderful book. However, right now, um, it's not what we can purchase because we wouldn't know what to do with you. And I said, okay, well, what do you mean by that? And they said, well, right now the hot thing that's in is uh, street lit, uh, erotica, 
and mm-hmm. um and you know Christian fiction. Okay. And if you could write one of those, oh, I heard that you. story too. Yes, <laughs> but you know you're you're black and you're writing a suspense thriller. We don't know what to do with you. And even if wow. we did, our bosses who um who you know might not see it, they wouldn't let us buy the book. And so it was very, very frustrating because all I read, I don't want to say all I read, I read across the board, but, you know, 90% of the books I read, they're suspense novels. I love thrillers. Mm -hmm. So why can't, you know, okay, I am black, but why can't I write a suspense thriller? And, um, you know, it was very frustrating. So I did get published with Straight Boy. And but it was a long process. It was okay. a long, long process. And my agent, she believed in me, and she really loved the book. And she told me at one time, I just don't understand mm-hmm. why, you know, why nobody is picking up this book. But in my ear, one of the editors had told me, and, and he at the time was working for Random House. He said, you know, it probably won't fly because the powers that be don't believe that African-Americans read suspense thrillers. Wow. Mm-hmm. But me. you know what, that's, and I don't, and I don't, I think they, the quote-unquote experts, mm-hmm. even if you get culture and ethnicity out of it, they base all their information on whatever showed up on the radar previously. Mm-hmm. And that's how you get in music and in writing You're right. artists that make it underground. They get yes. an underground following. And mm-hmm. then the the mainstream experts are shocked yes. when they go big mainstream. Exactly. Because they were never on their radar to show there was a following for that. Mm-hmm. They didn't hit their radar, so they said, oh, this one. So they said the same thing about rap when it first came out. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 working underground already. You just, yes. you just Your radar doesn't go down that low. It, it doesn't. I won't say down that low. Your radar doesn't go down there. So, names, so you, yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> Yes. So you don't, it's not on your radar, but exactly. it's selling. It, it is. is selling. Look at Tyler Perry. Yeah. Look at Tyler Perry. How many years yes. was he on, and I know I don't like the term, but it is what it, it is, the, the Chitlin Circuit, the mm-hmm. African-American playhouses, and he was a millionaire before anybody ever looked at him, yes. you know, for a movie. But he wasn't on the radar, but he was doing it. He was. I, I want to, before the close of the show, mm-hmm. uh, ask you if you could read us an excerpt from The Dark Side of Valor before the show closes today, just okay. to give you a, um, enough heads-up notice. Okay. And I want to ask you, is it a part of the main character, and I hope I'm saying her name right. Leela. 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 Leela Freeman's job. Is it a part of her job to rescue children from, like, crack houses and abandoned yes. homes in Los Angeles. And if that's not her job, what motivates her to do that? Well, um, she ran away from home at around 17, and she ended up homeless on the streets of Los Angeles. So, in well, I'm sorry to, to, to jump in. Why no did problem. she run away? Why did she run away? From an alcoholic uh, mother. Her mother okay. was alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, she ran away, and she ended up homeless on the streets. So in each child that she sees, she sees herself. Yeah. Mhm. Okay. Yes. She so that so she's she's really trying to love her the own her inner child and take care of her own inner child through others. How does she get involved with the African project? And can you tell our readers a little bit more about that project? Yes. Um she is she uh gets notoriety for bringing a child that was homeless back to their um, the child's parents. And the child's father was a anchor for a big news um, uh, mogul. And so it made national news. And she was dubbed the street angel because they, you know, did a segment on her and they followed her much to her chagrin. She didn't like it, but um, it catapulted her to national attention. So um, she was asked to come and sit on a subcommittee in D.C. um, to help with the children or the orphans of a war-torn country in Africa to help with their um, post-traumatic 
uh, syndrome. And she stumbles onto these, uh, they're not war crimes, but these hideous crimes going on in this country. And the country is loosely based on Sudan, what's going on in the Sudan. Ah, okay. okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, for her knowledge, she gets kidnapped, and um, they want to silence her. So that's how she gets pulled into the mess that she finds herself in. <laughs> wow. Yes, oh my goodness! Yes. <laughs> so you 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 just got a, a bit of an international piece to your story here, the dark side of valor. Without giving the dark side of valor away, um, can you tell us what happens to Layla? And you've already let us know a little bit of that. That keeps moving the story forward. That 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 keeps. So she gets kidnapped, and then I I, I guess the, for the reader they the. To me, uh, just from hearing what you said, explaining about the story, the reader just, as as you unfold it, will wonder, okay, why was she kidnapped? Is she going to get free? Are any of the kidnappers going to help her? <laughs> well, she, um, she, uh, you know what, Denise? Can I read you the back the back cover? Sure, and that will okay. That will help the readers out quite a bit. Uh, child advocate Leela Freeman saves children for a living. As the director of Child Safe Shelters, she ventures to abandon squats and crack houses to rescue teens from the hellish streets of Los Angeles. When she is summoned to D.C., excuse me, Washington, to serve on a subcommittee that aids the children of a war-torn African nation, Leela is kidnapped and becomes a political pawn in a sinister conspiracy. Oceans away from everything she knows, she must trust a mercenary to save her life or die in the clutches of a psychopath. Wow. So that's the first paragraph of um of the Backler. Wow. What and what was it the news? What inspired you? I'm just thinking a mystery mm-hmm. that you took that angle. What inspired you to take that angle when you created your story? Uh actually Dark Side of Valor was a totally different story when I uh, initially started researching. Oh. Um, yes, it was about a woman who was overseas, and she'd been kidnapped while she was overseas, and she had to come back to the United States. And um, I looked for kidnapped women overseas or runaways from overseas, and I kept coming up with all of these stories about runaways in the United States. And oh. Yes. So I started reading their stories, and... Their, their stories were just, uh, they just touched me so much that it, it sort of melded into uh, another novel. So um, the runaway, which she was in the beginning, is are the runaway stories of the children that live homeless on the streets of the United States, the runaways. And then as an adult, she gets kidnapped to an overseas nation an African nation, and that's the the story that I originally started with. So it sort of grew into one as Leela began to form. And how, in your research, you said you came up, you kept coming across these stories. Mm-hmm. How prevalent is it that oh. run children who run away do get taken to other countries? Does that happen? Is that like? Well, I mean, does that happen a lot more than we might imagine? Well, as as Leela is um, not taken when she's a child, she lives on the streets when she's a child, but then she becomes an adult. So she's in her uh, late 20s when she is, late 20s, early 30s, when she is summoned to D.C., and then she's kidnapped. So she is kidnapped as a woman, and she's, but she's kidnapped by, and I don't want to give too much away, but she's right. <laughs> she's kidnapped by um, adult people, and it's not for um, the sexual trafficking, the sex trafficking like okay. kids are these days. Um, it's for political reasons. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the, the bulk of the story, can where does it take place? We know she's in. DC at the at the start of the story, but where does the bulk of it for the reader will they will they will they be in Africa for most of the story the reader or are they in the United States? For, for, for? In the, the, I'd say the first quarter of the story 
is Leela's story when she's on the streets um, as a homeless teen and her surviving on the streets. The next, I'd say, uh, three-quarters of the story, she's in Africa. She's in a, a fictitious Sudania, which is Sudan, and then she flees to the jungle of Zaire, the Congo, and has to survive in the jungles of the Congo. How and much research? Oh, go ahead. Oh, go no, go ahead, Denise. How much research have you been? Two questions: Have you been to Africa before? I mean, my book, Long Walk Up, is 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 a fictional account of a of an orphan who go, who goes on to become Africa's first woman president. And after wow. I published the book, it actually happened in real life. But wow. Um, the and one I'm thing proud I, of you too. Congratulations! That's such an accomplishment. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I, I, I uh, thank you. I um, when I would interview with particularly African newspapers, mm-hmm. they would want to know, "Have you been here? Uh, how much? How much research? You know, because there's so many stories out there about, about Africa yes. that we just kind of conjure up in our mind that's so far from the truth. Mm-hmm. And then Africa is presented. In an in a image, and then I guess most people today think of Africa as either jungle or real po- mm-hmm. just poverty-stricken everywhere. Yes. They have shopping malls and stores and nice hotels and restaurants and airports and businesses just like here in America. But oh, that's yes. not the image that we get oftentimes. So the, I was asked that question uh, uh, whenever I would do those interviews. I would just wonder, have you visited yourself Africa or did you do like a, a a whole lot of research uh for the story as you were putting it together? Yeah, I I did a whole lot of research. I haven't had the privilege to go to Africa, but I knew that um like you said what we see on TV isn't the mm-hmm. major the majority of the, the cases in Africa. Mm-hmm. Um so the where she's taken in the beginning Sudania is is symbolic of the rich they're, they're, uh, the Sudan has one of the richest oil um, reserves in the world. And you have the very rich, and then you have the, the, the people that are impoverished and enslaved there. So, um, And then when she goes to the Congo, there are tribes that, you know, the um, Western world have, have not seen in the Congo. They're deep, deep, deep in the jungle. And um, I was able to do a lot of research, and I, I was able to get some wonderful video of okay. um, some tribes in the Congo and their daily lives, and it was just so intriguing. So I, I spent quite, quite, quite a number of months, months, you know, researching Africa, those two places in Africa. You know what, and I think a good thing about that when you do the, the research mm-hmm. Uh, or, or uh, I know again with Long Walk Up, I had people some from Africa who actually read the book mm-hmm. uh, before it was published. But it, 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 you can give people a different glimpse of the mm-hmm. continent. Yes. Uh, um, you know, because there's several countries in Africa, but you can give people a glimpse of the continent that it really can blow away what people mm-hmm. the images you keep seeing about the country right. that only tells just a small fragment of the story it is rich this well i mean really with natural resources extremely rich yes. continent you can tell a, a more a, a broader more um balanced and factual story that way to give to give to people yes you you told us about Layla and her mother she grew up the alcoholic mother. I'm I'm sitting here like wanting, wondering about her. She's a, she has intrigued me as a character, which is a good thing. <laughs> uh, now her mother, she her father is like not in the picture. I'm supposing she grew up just with her mother. Did her mother have her when she was young? Do you is her mother even shown much in the story? What drove her mother? to alcoholism if you show that and is she abusive toward Layla? Why does Layla leave just I, I growing up an alcoholic parent I can imagine it's painful. But I'm imagining her mother must have done something to cause her to say, I've I've got to get out of here. Yes, yes. Well um her mother actually her name is Rubinell and in the beginning when she was young she was an honor roll student. She was on her way college bound and um, 
the love of her life gets killed. Uh, he is gets shot um, trying to help a friend uh, do the right thing. He is that is that is that Layla's father? That's Layla's father. Layla's okay. father. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so um, Rubenel sort of she, you know, just disintegrates because her parents throw her out uh, when they find out that she was pregnant, um, and uh, she just turns to alcohol. And year after year, she unfortunately just goes down. And so Leela, uh loves her mother dearly, but she gets tired of uh, her mother showing up to school drunk or the environment that she's in, um, the drug dealers and, and um, the different men that her mother brings home. And so she wants a better life for herself. So she runs away from that environment. Uh, Leela works. She takes care of the household, and she's just in high school herself. Wow. And that and that happens. It does. So, so her mother wasn't abusive toward her. She just wanted a different type of life. Mm-hmm. Wow. And imagine if Layla had, a, had, had had the opportunity to see her mother before the tragedy, you know, that seems like it, her mother allowed it to break her and and. In some part of her, but um, if Layla could have seen her mother before, she may not have run away because she would have seen her mother whole, and yes. she would know if she could just help her get whole again. Yeah, her mother could fly, could soar mm-hmm. again. Exactly. Are there any other members of Layla's family in the dark side of valor? And if so, can you tell us about those people? And does she have any close friends? Uh, she doesn't have any close friends um, as when she is in New York. When she grows up in New York, she's in a tenement, and she doesn't really have close friends because, you know, her shoes have holes in them and, and she has worn-out clothes. And you know how mean kids can be mm-hmm. when um, when someone is lacking. So she doesn't have too many close friends, and um, she's an honor roll student, so that even makes it worse. Um, so, but when she runs away and she ends up on the streets, she does have uh, two very close friends. And um, their stories um, is what helps to drive Leela to where she is as, as an adult. Okay. Yeah. Why, did you, why did you title the book The Dark Side of Valor? Well, um... There's a saying that no good deed goes unpunished. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And a lot of the times when we do courageous things, the consequences aren't what we expect. Uh, we get punished for for um, for doing the courageous things or or helping others some of the times. And so Leela, she is very courageous and she wants to save the world. But uh, many times when she goes out to do these things, um, uh, she gets burned. And, okay. Um, so that's the dark side. Oh, ah, I'm glad I asked. I'm glad I asked. <laughs> I, was curious. I was curious about that even as I was doing the research for the interview. Who, what are readers telling you are their two favorite, are their favorite characters well, in the know, dark side of Valor? You know, um... You know, it's funny. Uh, I haven't had anyone to tell me one particular character or another. Um, one person did tell me that they loved Aunt Lou, and Aunt Lou is a very crazy, uh, eccentric, off-the-wall character that is um, that uh, makes the jungle Zaire her home. And she's very flamboyant, and you wouldn't expect in the jungle to see Aunt Lou, but she wears... Uh, Mean People Suck uh, t-shirts. She's well into her 70s. She, um, you know, has these loud uh, high-top yellow sneakers, and she's very flamboyant. And um, so they like Aunt Lou for her strength and her her eccentric ways. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) She's she's a character. (laughs) She is. (laughs) Can you, are you ready to read us an excerpt? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Um, pain played just below the surface of Leela's stare. Sadness, sadness, despair seeped from her stiff body.
stroked Joella. Joella opened her mouth, then closed it. No amount of talking would ease the look fixed on Leela's face. Joella knew better. She'd seen that same look reflected in her own mirror. She'd lived in the same hell many times herself, almost didn't get out. Life cruel and hard must have whipped up on Leela, made her draw inside herself like a cornered hare drawn inside his burrow. Best thing to do was to leave her be, for now. A burrow was the safest place for her. Joella was an expert on safe burrows. They made life endurable, harbored her mind, saved her from going mad. A lifetime ago, they were the only way she survived. She, she, excuse me, she used to fill her burrows with rainbows, magic dragons, and pretty horned horses. All the things her daddy used to spend tales about before he'd tuck her into bed. She hadn't needed safe burrows when Mama and Daddy were around, but all that vanished when they left. For a while, Grandma Dell was all she had until Cousin Daryl came sniffing around hard on his luck. Evil took the form of that hard on his luck doper. Joella thought hell was missing her parents. Cousin Daryl had other thoughts of hell. He shared them with her daily. Open hand cuffs across the face, kicks to the ribs, the thrashing. Still no hell he executed terrorized her more than the darkness. Cousin Daryl always locked her alone in the darkness. Grandma Dell tried to stop him, but he'd hit her too, forced her into her room. Joella could still hear Grandma calling through her bedroom door, begging him to stop. She still felt fire scorch her skull from his fingers clenched in her hair, still remembered half screeching, half choking on fear as he drug her to the barn, taught her her lesson, sprawled on her stomach, back ripped bra, Tears puddled mud on her cheek. Dirt and sweat sweat dropped in her busted lip. Blood and bile bullied her tongue. Unable to move, she lay in the blackness. Hushed her sobs. Scared he'd hear. Scared he'd come back and teach her more lessons. Those were the times her safe burrow surrounded her, pressed insanity to the fringes of her mind. Joella took off, never came back. Some nights, Cousin Daryl still found her, stole into her dreams, locked her in the darkness. Memories of Daddy and Mama didn't keep him from hurting her. Remembering Grandma Dell's kind words didn't hold him at bay. Only Leela's soft voice broke through the death dream to save her. Now Leela needed saving, and for once, Leela needed her. No matter what, she'd be Leela's light, because no one should be left in the darkness. Wow. Now, 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 who's Joella? She's she is one of the characters that Leela befriends um, on the street when she's oh. on the street. And she's wow. A young girl. So <laughs> good writing and and very good reading as well. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for reading that excerpt from the Dark Side of Valor. Enjoyed that. Will there be? Will there be? Will there be a sequel to the Dark you know, Side of Valor? Yes, there will be. Um, it's not the next book that I'm working on, but hopefully there will be two other spin-offs from The Dark Side of Valor. Okay, and when can our when can readers expect? Uh I know you said you work so you're working on something else. So yes, I mean do you, is that like 3 4 years down the road or it, you know it it might be um I need to get another book contract. <laughs> okay. So um the next story that I'm working on um that book is about, eh, I don't want to tell a tale. It's about eh, over halfway done. Okay. And so after that book, then hopefully I'll work on the others, but I have something tickling in the back of my mind. So it it just depends where the wind blows, but um, the readers were asking about two of the characters in the book, so maybe their story might have to come first. What in your next book is that also a mystery? The one you're working on now that you're about halfway finished with? Yes, that's a uh, another suspense thriller. Um, the working title, the working title, is called Return to Bondage, and um, it's about a, a circuit court judge who has to go back down south to handle a family land dispute. 
she gets thrown back to slavery time and is forced into slavery. She has to go wow. to in order to come back to her present or else she'll remain a slave forever. Wow. So that's so, what I'm working on. So it's a little bit of a time change in it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Oh, interesting, interesting. You know what? If you keep working with what you what you have, mm-hmm. you may you may come upon some you may be like the first or one of the first authors to, to create a type of um a story that's not out here yet. Now being the first generally sometimes means it's gonna be a little tougher. But <laughs> it's you know, but once yeah. once it gets going, you know, then it's then it's going and I and I really commend you on that because I find what a lot of uh, of us do is take whatever's working and we just keep mm-hmm. copying it and creating it and, ma- and over and over and over. The people just get uh, so much of it that they're like, "I've had enough." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, and so, you know, to, so oh, you're you're creating instead of copying. Yeah. You're you're creating, and I and I commend you for that. Thank you so much. And you know, um, Denise, back to what we were talking before. I think that's why the powers that be don't believe that African Americans read across the board, or that other cultures will be interested in anything, you know, um, other genres that African-Americans write. And it's so untrue. Yeah, you used to be years ago you heard African-Americans don't read at all. Mm-hmm. Then that was proven to be false. Yes. And now it's that we like these certain types of stories. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's because a lot of people are pushed again to to copy, 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 copy what's already been proven to be successful, but if if you're a true artist, you're going to create. Yes. And then it might be the role might be a little tougher at first, mm-hmm. but uh, if, if it catches on, you, you're you're on, you're you're on your way. You think about the the greatest authors across the board. Yeah. They usually wrote a story or wrote in a style mm-hmm. that hadn't been done before or as much. Yeah. That's the reason Harry Potter took off. I mean, it is. It was, there was, there was, it didn't copy another book, and mm-hmm. so um, I can only imagine how many rejections she got. Yeah. So it, 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 it you have to create, and and uh, it takes courage to do that. What did you learn about yourself while you were creating the dark side of valor that you didn't know before you sat down to write the book? Well, um, actually. You know, it it really dawned on me as I was writing the book how much I enjoyed writing and how long I have enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it since I was uh, in elementary school, but really the the passion of it really struck me as I was writing Dark Side of Valor. Um, It took me, cover to cover, it took me five years to write the book. Wow. It took me five years. Um, Because all the research. The research... And for me, I'm not a I'm not a fast writer. Um, if I have a sentence or a word that doesn't flow or 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 it's not um, the syncope isn't right on the sentence or the rhythm, uh, which is the syncope isn't right, I have to go back and everything has to be right for me in order for me to put it out. Um, so I, I just I'm not one that says. I wrote something in a month or I wrote something in two months because I, I just can't I can't do it. It has to be right, and the plot has to be right, and the conflict, um, uh, the building of the conflict has to re- be right. So, you know, I'm just not a whip-it-together writer. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, it took me five years to do, and I knew I was tenacious from, you know, from the beginning, but the passion of the writing really struck me as I was writing the book. Oh, good for you. Good for you. That's a good that's a good dis- discovery. Do you have any plans we were as we we started out today's interview talking about you know your your former job, you were a nurse. Mm-hmm. Do you have any plans? I mean, I can only imagine mm-hmm. how many stories you could take out of those those experiences. <laughs> but do you have any plans to incorporate any of your nursing experiences if not into a whole book in part and part of any uh, upcoming books that you plan to write? Well, actually, one of the characters in Dark Side of Valor, um, I want to do a spinoff, and she's a registered nurse. Oh. Um, and I, I can't say that, uh, how, you, you know how 
if you're in a job and you do it and you do it and do it and you don't want I don't want to say anything to have to do with it, but you just <laughs> you just don't want to Yeah, uh, you want to leave it alone. You just yeah. But um she is a registered nurse and I'm, you know, using a lot of my I will use a lot of my experience for her. But um as far as medical thrillers and things like that, I know I could do them. They'll probably be very easy as far as the research is concerned, but it's just something I, you know, how you step away and it's like, yeah. okay, like you said, I've had enough. Right. <laughs> Time to move on. Yeah. Believe it or not, we are coming down to the, I mean, we've only got like about nine more minutes left. Wow. I have a, I, yeah, these interviews go by <laughs> so fast. I wanted to ask you, and I asked several authors on the show this because I think about my own experiences. Mm-hmm as an author, and, and then the, the work of marketing your book, which I absolutely enjoy doing. But has the process of publishing and marketing your book, and, and before before you answer, um, this just popped into my head. My son, he listens to these interviews about uh, musical artists, and one of them, they asked the guy, he was telling him how cutthroat the music business was, and he didn't know how political it was. And they said, you didn't know this before you got into it? And he said, no. And a lot of writers don't know. You know, you don't know the the, the, the distributors taking this percentage, and they usually take about 50%. Mm-hmm. And then the publisher's taking this. Then you're, if you got a publicist, you got to pay them. Then the editor, I mean, your agent. Mm-hmm. And then you get what looks like the smallest chunk. Mm-hmm. But has the actual process of publishing and marketing a book been what you thought it would be like before you actually got your book uh, published? I would say um, yes, because uh, I've been around, again, I've been around the industry since, I'd say, about 94, 95. And a lot of my friends um, that I started out with went on to be Essence bestsellers. Okay. So um, I knew about the, the the marketing bid and, you know, what they went through. Um, so that part wasn't a surprise to me. Uh, what was sort of difficult for me is that when my husband and I put the book out in 2002, the Internet wasn't that, I don't want to say popular. No, it wasn't, it wasn't what it is today, yeah. No. The, yeah, the social networks, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so now where the bulk of the marketing happens on the Internet, back then, it was mm-hmm. going different places and shaking a hand. Yep, yep. So I was totally clueless. You know, uh, one of my friends said, you need to go on a blog tour. And I said, what's a blog? I, You know, I was just totally clueless. And so that was a big learning curve, a mm-hmm. big learning curve. And I think I was behind, I know I was behind the eight ball with the marketing because, I, I, you know, as much research as I did, I just didn't know. I didn't know who to go to. I didn't know what to do. And it was just foreign to me, and I, I wasted a lot of time doing a lot of things that I thought traditionally would help, but it, it really didn't because it wasn't uh, centered on the book marketing, and that's a totally different beast from just regular marketing to me. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and 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 again, like I always tell people at, at my Right Money Inc. blog, you have to measure the results of your investment of your time, mm-hmm. your energy, your money, and if something's not working, you know, you stick with things. But maybe you start to say, I'm going to level down on this and, mm-hmm. and maybe not quit altogether and then just try, try this or I'm going to stop this and then try something else because something will work. Yeah. You just have to yeah. be willing to keep trying different things. How can our off-the-shelf listeners get a copy of your book, The Dark Side of Valor? Well, it is uh, on Amazon, of course, Barnes & Noble, IndieBound, anywhere books are sold. They can get a copy, um, a copy of the book. If it's not... Uh, on the bookshelf of your favorite bookstore, they can order it and have it to you. So uh, anywhere books are sold, they can they can get it. But you know, a lot of people like Amazon or Barnes and Noble, and it is available in Kindle and Nook um, okay. as well. Mm-hmm. So so ebook and in print. Are yes. you going to be on the road attending any uh, book signings, doing any readings, any workshops? And if so, can you let us know about some upcoming events you're going to be attending with the dates, the times, and, and the city and state? <laughs> well, Denise, I have to tell you, <laughs> that's one of the things that I was behind on because, um, 
as I listened to you, I, I could tell that you had your marketing together. And I was trying to step away from the traditional book signing because that's what uh, one of my marketing mentors had told me and do everything online. So I was behind the eight ball as far as maybe you need to go and shake a hand and do a book signing. So the majority of my uh, efforts were online, blog tours, um, radio talk shows, and the like. Um, I am hoping to be at the uh, Congressional Black Caucus Convention. Okay. Um, I am praying to be at the Congressional Black Caucus Convention. And um, there is a Diva uh, Diva's Reading Book Club in Maryland, um, in New Carrollton, in October, that I will be attending. It's a, okay. it's a whole weekend. Okay. So that, I'd say, is the scope. And two, um, back in 2002, we were all over the country. We were wow. everywhere um, doing book signings. And a lot of people that might have seen us at the Baltimore Book Festival or the Kunta Kente Book Festival or the Harlem Book Festival, when I went back, they said, you know, you were you were here, you know. They remember seven, you. They yes. remember you. You were here seven years ago. Do you yes. have a new book? Such and such and such. I said, well, may, like you said, maybe I need to do something a little different because the people that, you know, and, and not all, but a lot of people saw me and remembered me. So I said, well, maybe I need to do something different. And you had just said that, you know, a couple of minutes ago and uh, do the majority of the marketing on the Internet. Yeah, and I I think that a lot of people are doing 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 the internet. And again, whatever gets you the results. Yeah. Whatever gets that's you the, the results, that's what you work with. How can book clubs and other organizations, Alicia, get in contact with you as we come to the last 3 minutes of the day show? How can they get in touch with you to have you come and appear at an upcoming event? And do you do any public speaking events? That, that that maybe churches and other organizations could contact you to have you come and appear? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, they can contact me through my website, uh, www.aliciasingleton.com. Um, my email is alicia at aliciasingleton.com. Um, they can contact me via Skype. Um, I'm on Skype as well, and I love to do Skype uh, video chats. My son had to help me out, had to still help me out to to bring mom up to speed because I'm not a tech <laughs> a techie person. So Don't I we all lean on our time. kids? I, know. I do the same thing. We all lean on our kids. <laughs> I know. I said, well, "How do you post a picture yes, to Facebook, yes. babe?" And he's like, "Mom, step aside yep. for a minute. Let me show you." And he, and in 30 seconds, he has everything up, and I'm still clueless. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, they can reach out to me that way, and I love public speaking. I absolutely love public speaking. So churches, um, organizations, if they reach out to me as well, I do have some seminars on um, on self-esteem, um, okay. being a dreamer, uh, and, of course, um, anything that has to do with writing, plotting, characters, and, and characterization and the like. All right, and then then as we go quickly, can give me give me a rundown of the social networks where our off the shelf listeners can find you, and and will they find you under Alicia Singleton? Um, on Twitter, LinkedIn, I will be under Alicia Singleton. On Facebook, I'm under Alicia M Singleton. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Twitter, Alicia. LinkedIn, and Facebook. Are you on Pinterest or um, I'm trying to think Goodreads? What are some uh-huh. other? Oh, yes, I am on Goodreads. I am on Goodreads under Alicia Singleton. They can okay. find me there as well. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. We have we have been, I mean, this hour, as it always does on Off the Shelf, it just blows by. We have spent a wonderful hour with Alicia Singleton, the author of The Dark Side of Valor. She is working on a new book. She says she's about halfway finished with it. She, she hopes to be at the um, of the Black Caucus event, and then there's another Divas book event she hopes to be at in October, so we can look for her later this year. But you can find her online, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Goodreads. And she does do, uh, if if any any organizations or book clubs like to have her come out and speak, she does do those. She can either do it online via Skype 
or depending on location, you can reach her through her website again, www.aliciasingleton.com, A-L-I-C-I-A-S-I-N-G-L-E-T-O-N.com. And then just send her a request for a speaking event, and then she'll get back in touch with you. But we, we, we so enjoyed talking to this dynamic author. She's truly a creator. She's She's she's, she's uh, charting her own course, so we look forward to great things from her. And we want to thank you all for being here with us on another Saturday here at Off the Shelf Radio. I encourage you to go out and get a copy of The Dark Side of Valor and also a copy of my new book, Love Pour Over Me. You can get it right there at your computer. Just click over to Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble or eBook it, and you can get a copy today and then start reading and enjoying love pour over me so i want to thank you all again and as i always tell you remember you're so truly loved so incredibly important and so valued and please come back next saturday as we'll bring you another phenomenal author right here on off the shelf saturday 11 o'clock tell your friends tell your family to be here thank you for your support go out and create a marvelous marvelous day for yourself Thank you so much, Alicia. I'll send you an email. It's been an honor. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye for now.